Hey, everybody. This is Keegan V. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. And so I had to learn early on that anger has no place. Find that a lot of my resentments aren't resentments anymore when my focus is on others, because uh, it, 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 sh- it shifts that perspective too. It's all it's all for me about like shifting that perspective today. So, welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast with your hosts Michael L and Lee M. On this show, we try to bring inspiration for those people seeking sobriety through interviews with members of the recovery community, sharing their experience, strength, and hope through the lens of the Daily Reflections book. Each day, a new inspirational passage and a conversation. We are not affiliated with any 12-step or recovery program, but you will hear them mentioned throughout the course of an interview. On today's show, Keegan V. from Reston, Virginia. Before we get to the show, I'd like to ask your help. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating, give us a comment, let us know what you like about the show. It's going to expand our reach and help us improve. We hope you enjoy this episode. Good morning, Lee. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. How are you this morning, Mike? Doing fantastic. Hey, what's on the agenda for today? So today is April 14th, and we have with us today Keegan B. from Reston, Virginia, and he's going to share with us his experience, strength, and hope around the daily reflection for today, which is the number one offender. Welcome, Keegan. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. So we get started in the same way every day. We ask the guest if they could read the daily reflection for us. Would you get us started? No problem. So April 14th, the number one offender. Resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stems all forms of spiritual disease, for we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. This is from uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, page 64. As I look at myself practicing the fourth step, it is easy to gloss over the wrong that I've done because I can easily see it as a question of getting even or a wrong done to me. If I continue to relive my old hurt, it is a resentment and a resentment bars the sunlight from my soul. If I continue to relive hurts and hate, it'll hurt and hate myself. After years in the dark of resentments, I have found the sunlight. I must let go of resentments. I cannot afford them. Wow, that's a powerful read. And they don't really mince words about this in the big book and in the programs. Before we get started, Keegan, what's your sobriety date? My sobriety date is May 5th, 2010. Coming up on an anniversary. Yeah, definitely. Cinco um, de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, yeah, that was a great day to get sober. So I'm just curious, what was what was your life like before you came in? Was resentment a big part of your story before getting into sobriety? Or I'm sorry, into recovery? Yeah, I mean, I would say I I came from the school of thought as I came into the program. You know, I definitely got the message early on that 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 resentments are the number one offender, right? Uh, and that they're they're a pretty big deal uh, to my recovery. I guess I started Alcoholics Anonymous more on the mind frame that, you know, I'm not a resentful guy. You know, I <laughs> when I was out drinking, you know, I didn't really get in arguments with people. I wasn't very loud and, you know, I didn't yell at people. And 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 so I came in with this notion that like I didn't really have any resentments. I wasn't a resentful person. Uh, you know, I kind of just I was a happy-go-lucky alcoholic, you know. <laughs> and so 
you know, I, I really like in the, in the, in this, uh, uh, you know, the reading where, you know, it talks about that four step. Cause I think for me, that's really where it came to really understanding what a, a resentment is and also B how it affected me. Cause you know, a resentment affected me differently than maybe somebody else. Right. You know, whereas like for me, maybe when I was drinking, it didn't manifest itself in screaming at people or getting physical with people. But it manifested in me in uh, not eating. It manifested in me and not sleeping at night. You know, it manifested in me and having poor schoolwork. And like it manifested in me in so many different areas of my life where it was so insidious. And I, I think it continues to be so insidious. You know, for me, it just doesn't show itself <laughs> as obvious as, uh, as, as maybe some other things that, that are going on with my life. And, you know, I'm speaking to, to Alcoholics Anonymous in terms of the four step you know, where we really sit down with somebody we trust or a sponsor. Uh, and the fourth step is actually before this part where we actually put, put pen to paper and we, we look over our past. You know, we look over any resentments that we might have currently. Uh, we look over any of the harms that we might have done to other people. And we really sit down with somebody that we trust after we do that fourth step to really understand kind of the actions and causations of that. Uh, and, and really tie those together. And so that's where I think I really had that like aha moment of like, oh, wow, like I did have resentments, you know, <laughs> like I did have these things. And that that really is what set the foundation moving forward when those things started to pop up again, right? And not, not necessarily those specific situations that I, I expressed in my four step, but, you know, those patterns of behavior that led to those situations. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I guess just to, just to answer your question, that's that's kind of you know how I looked at it at the beginning. And another piece of that that I and I just wanted to kind of relate to other people who might have struggled like me is like I had resentments against institutions, right? <laughs> like, I, you know, I I might have a resentment against a country, uh, you know, or like a city or, you know, uh, my college, you know, like that I went to. And that was kind of eye-opening for me to see is like how those institutions and those resentments against those institutions affected me as well. And that's where I had to really work, need to work with, with, uh, with acceptance and things like that. But, uh, yeah, no, that, that's a good question. And, um, you know, that's, uh, that's what I think relates into the, the, the reading that we shared today. I'm thinking about the specific language in the daily reflection. And it says, Resentment is the number one offender. And, you know, we get, we get to see what those, you know, in the fourth step, we get to see what those resentments are all about. But I'm curious about your take on resentment, not, not drinking, not drugging, not excessive behaviors. It's resentments. I mean, does that resonate with you? And, and tell me a little bit about how you turn that corner from feeling like you didn't have any to actually getting to the, to the real source of some of the resentments that you had. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and so I had to, I had to sit down and I had to go through, um, I think a lot of those, I guess what first opened me up to that is they have something called uh, justifiable anger and justifiable anger for me is a very dangerous place for me to go to because it tells me that I'm right. And early on people, you know, that I respected, you know, would tell me, you know, there are a lot of right people in the grave. I really had to internalize that. There's a lot of sayings in the recovery area that really gear around this resentment um, topic. And one of them for me was like the justifiable anger 
you know, <laughs> a portion of it. Um, anger is a dubious luxury of other people, right? <laughs> like that was that was a huge one. Resentment is the number one offender. Uh, so I think the messaging when I came in was spot on. And when I sat down and did my four step, and I say my four step, but I think really where it came to me was was the fifth step. I sat down and wrote my four step. In my drinking, I did a lot of like uh, property like damage and stuff like that when I was drinking, right? Like, you know, just going around being really, you know, drunk and just not having a care for other people's things and stuff like that. And I remember I would have these stories when I was drinking and I, you know, I would have these just stories of like when I went out and, and did things and, and caused, you know, certain things and, and, and took certain actions. And I always thought they were like a badge of honor. Like, I always thought they were just really cool stories. Like, hey, I got, I got drunk and I went out and did this. And like, look how wild and fun I am and things like that. And the fifth step was the first time I sat down and I actually took accountability towards those actions. You know, the things that I did out there in the public, in the public domain, had an effect on somebody else, right? Uh, and I started, I started tying that accountability on my own actions during that fifth step. And I started to realize that those things weren't cool bar stories anymore. You know, the, the, the people that I affected wasn't that joke of that person I offended to my friends. Uh, I actually caused harm to that individual. And, you know, what that allowed me to be able to do is start to see a pattern of behavior over time. And so with my fifth step, I was, I was able to start to see that pattern of behavior and start to uh, actually unravel maybe some more deep-seated resentments deep-seated resentments uh, against authority. You know, I had the resentments against, against authority in general, right? You know, how dare you tell me uh, what I need to do when I need to do it? Uh, and I saw that underlying throughout my even like school career and how I treated teachers and how I treated people who were trying to help me and how I treated counselors, right? And so when I started to see these like big, <laughs> these, these big things throughout, throughout my life, you know, I was able to, you know, kind of make, make the, make the rights to the people I need to make rights to, uh, right? Like I needed to go back and make right to those people, but then also moving forward, it allowed me to, to easily, easily uh, identify uh, when something would come up, like, you know, something at work, right? An authority at work would come to me and I, I would have to sit back and be like, well, Keegan, these are, this is one of your areas that you can get resentful on very easily, <laughs> So like you need to like sit back and maybe address the situation a little bit differently. And I think that's where some of the tools of the program, right? You know, pause and things like that come in. But um, yeah, I mean, I think how in broad, broad terms, I think that's how, you know, that that started to apply in my life. I love that. And I think, you know, you're probably echoing so many people's experience around resentment. You know, I don't think you're the only one that that felt the same way. You know, I'm thinking about the fact that you're about to yeah, you're about to celebrate 11 years of sobriety. And so you must have been fairly young coming into the program. What made you willing to look at yourself? Like th this is, a, you're talking about a lot of self-awareness, a lot of willingness to look at your behavior, a lot of willingness to look at your, the, the consequences of your actions. What made you that willing at such a young age? I had a great support system around me. Uh, you know, I had a, a family who really wanted to see me succeed in life. Uh, you know, I had, you know, just, I was always set up for success and I, I was my own, um, I was my own horse out of me, but, uh, you know, I did come in at 20 years old, proceeded that was, uh, you know, within the span of a couple months, 
I had visited, you know, three different psychiatric wards. And I'm a, I'm a dual diagnosis, so I'm, I'm bipolar one as well. And so, you know, I was grappling with that diagnosis as well as, you know, this, this alcoholism, right. And this way that I'm, that I'm medicating for it. And I remember there came a point where like, I was okay with harming myself. Uh, I was okay with putting myself in harm's way, but it started to become a point where I was putting other people in harm's way. And I started the flip, the, the flip, the, the, like it, the script really flipped for me when I no longer like, you know, I, I, I no longer was um, just, uh, you know, just putting myself in harm's way. So, so what that means is I could really identify that the people around I me, mean, I'm talking about like actual physical harm, right? Like I'm doing things, you know, I'm in, I'm behind the wheel of a car. Somebody's in the passenger seat next to me. And I'm on the opposite side of the road, just driving as fast as I can pedal to the metal in a manic psychosis episode. And this person's screaming their head off, right? Like that type of like mania, psychosis type of type of deal type stuff. That to me was unacceptable. I mean, that to me, like there was a point where like that is unacceptable. I need, I I, I need to change, right? Like the, the, you know, you just cannot be putting other people in harm's way like that. That's just something I cannot do in life. I can't live with myself like that. And so I started going to these institutions and I, I started to realize I, I, you know, the, my mindset in these institutions, when I, you know, the first one that I went into was, you know, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not like these people. I'm, this is a mistake. I'm too, I'm too smart. You know, I'm in college. I'm a college kid. I'm just having some fun. And I remember, you know, the second institution, the third institution, especially that third one, I was just like, I'm the craziest person here. You know, like, I was just like, I'm, I need to be locked away in this place, honestly, right? Like, I don't know why people are giving me second and third chances anymore. You know, that kind of mentality. And that was the kind of like mentality that really allowed me to surrender and look at this new way of life at 20 years old. Because I mean, I just couldn't see, I just couldn't see a successful life without something being changed. Uh, and so that's where, that's where the accountability started coming in and saying, Hey, I really need to really need to change my life. I'm glad you brought up, um, you know, the, the question of mental health, you know, I think anyone who struggles with this disease questions their, their sanity at some point. And there's many cases where addiction is not the only problem. I know for myself, I suffered from depression and anxiety around the time that I was, you know, hitting my bottom and coming into recovery, and I sought outside help. I'm just wondering if, as you began to enter the program of recovery, if you discovered that you needed additional sources of, of assistance outside the program. Yeah, and uh, I mean, when I first came in, I went to a dual diagnosis uh, rehab, and so you know that was a great opportunity. They it was a 12 step rehab, but it was also a dual diagnosis, so they had psychiatrists on staff. Uh, that could sit with me and, and really allow me to understand what that meant to be dual diagnosed. And when I came out of that rehab, you know, I knew two things that, you know, I knew I was not going to be able to maintain my sobriety if I didn't get it, you know, maintain my bipolar disorder. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to maintain uh, a semblance of sa- sanity and have my symptom- symptomology of bipolar under, uh, under wraps if I did not address uh, my alcoholism and this just spiritual kind of hole and void 
that I had to start dealing with. So, you know, for me, you know, I've been on medication for 11 years now, almost 11 years, right? No episodes. You know, you're talking about somebody who had multiple psychiatric ward visits, psychosis, the whole deal, right? Still see a psychiatrist today, therapy, uh, you know, and all that outside sources. And I would not have been successful in my medication and my psychiatry and any of that if I did not come in. And I, I believe, and this is just my story come to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous because I had this spiritual hole, the spiritual void that I had to fill and I had to address that. And that's really what allowed me to kind of be the best version of myself. That's the core of everything that I do is, you know, uh, my relationship with Alcoholics Anonymous. And then that allows me to have a holistic kind of view here on, you know, the rest of my mental health. Because you know, that was, that was something that, you know, was drilled into me early on. I had really good sponsorship, you know, and when I would go to my sponsor about, you know, my, my, my mental health and things like that, you know, he would tell me a lot of times, he's like, I'm not a doctor, <laughs> go see your doctor. <laughs> I don't have a PhD, uh, you know, by my, so I'm really glad that like, he knew when to give advice to give advice, but like, he knew like where, where those boundaries were and, and when I needed to go see a doctor for doctor advice. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I really appreciated that early on and just, you know, the, you know, those individuals. I love what you're saying. I mean, it starts with the separation from the substance because if the alcohol and the other drugs are in your system, like there's no chance for any of this other stuff to start to stabilize you. So I think that's really great advice for people that might be listening. And like Mike said, there's, this is not at all uncommon. There's so many people suffering from from other things. And it makes it hard to, it does make it hard to get, get away from the alcohol. So you were saying earlier that you needed to be locked up there. Like you felt I needed to be locked up there. I, nobody should give me another chance. And now here you are 11 years later. So what's it like now? It's wild. I mean, I'll get like awards at work and stuff like that. And like, I'll just think back and I was like, Hey, like they had me, they had me in a padded room. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm the padded room guy. <laughs> Life was looking very unpredictable from that the then on. Right. You know, I, I came out of that, that rehab and was like, I really just basically want to get, I just don't want to, I just don't want to go crazy. It's basically like my, my entrance into AA is like, I just don't want to like have lose complete total my mind not be able to have any semblance of normalcy for the rest of my life. Like that's where my mind was at. Right. Uh, and since then, you know, I was able, I had the, uh, the, the gifts to, to go and, and, and finish college. I'm here, you know, and, you know, moving, moved to rest of Virginia in a career I love, you know, it's a, um, it's, it's a place where I, um, I never thought I would be in a, in a dream job that I never thought I would have. Uh, you know, around people that I never thought I would be around, uh, you know, and I have just a wonderful life today. I, I share all that. I've had the career success that I could never thought was imaginable. Uh, I've had, you know, the, the, just the success in my personal life, right, that I never thought was imaginable. But what I really like to share is like, I can go to sleep at night. I can sit through an hour long AA meeting and not be like, bumbling around in my chair or going outside for cigarettes breaks every four minutes. Or like I like my parents who I love and like who just been such a supportive part of my life, like actually call me for advice today. 
right? Like I'm, I'm somebody who people like call up and they're like, hey, Keegan, like I'm having some issues or some stuff. Can you help me out on that? Or like, do you have any experience around this certain area? So the gifts are nice. Um, you know, the gifts, like the job and all that stuff, it's just, it's just really based around uh, AA. You know, I was given that by, you know, uh, my higher power and the other people in the program, right? I get That's how I get those gifts. Uh, but the things that I, I like to really focus on is just like, I don't know, like when I was in college, I had months where I just didn't sleep. I would have one hour, half an hour a night, right? I would sit there like, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you just like pound the mattress in the middle of the night. Cause this is, you're going on like your third week of like maybe an hour of sleep a night. Uh, and you're just constantly just like watching the sunrise. Uh, and it just gets more and more and more frustrating. And I remember in those like few first few months of sobriety, like waking up in the morning and just being like, just for like forgetting what that feeling felt like of like putting my head head on the pillow at night and then just like waking up and not knowing what happened. <laughs> like I had to get reoriented to like understand what like a sleep felt like. Uh, and uh, and so you know it's just. It's just an amazing feeling. It's some, some somewhere where I have never thought that I would. Uh, it's stuff I, I thought I, I thought like uh, I would never take for granted, but I guess I get uh, you know I guess I did. But so as we begin to wrap, thinking about resentments, do you still have them today? And what advice might you have for somebody new in the program that's wrestling with uh, with the concept of handling their resentments? I would say I get a lot less resentments today. My, my resentments are completely related to where I'm at in my spiritual program, the maintenance of my spiritual program. And so for me, what that means is typically my resentments stem from a certain situation or certain action that just occurred. And so how well am I handling that certain situation or certain action? If I'm doing the things that I need to be doing, contingent upon my spiritual maintenance, which means that I'm helping the newcomer praying in the morning, I'm praying at night, you know, following my steps each day and living the steps each day, those slights and the things that those perceived slights or uh, those situations that arise, which would usually get me angry. I find that um, I'm more apt to have that first reaction as a different perspective and have that first reaction of, you know, Hey, that individual might be doing this to me because something might be going on in their life. Or, you know, maybe that's not, you know, their actual intention and things like that. So that like that first realization tends to change based upon my, my spirituality at that moment. Uh, and that's not to say that I'm like that at all, all times. So I also get angry, right? Like that's my first emotion, right? Like sometimes is anger. It's just a natural emotion that's inside of me. And so I had to learn early on that anger has no place. It never has any place. I've never been in a situation. Me getting angry really helped that situ situation out. And so that goes into a number of different tools that we can deploy here in the program. That's like a longer conversation. I just want to like end on this is, you know, if, if I do get a resentment today, you know, there are certain things that I can do. There's something called the sick, sick man's prayer. And what that is, is, you know, if I do get a resentment today, pray for God's will for that person over a period of time. And I tend to find that over a period of time, I stop thinking about that person and I can go on about my life. And, it, and what that does is it reorients me and it, it reorients my intentions around that person when I'm spending the time to think about them in a positive way each day. And that's how I feel it kind of reorients that perspective and that, that psychic change around that situation. 
And there's just a whole number of other things around resentments uh, that I'd love to get into. I definitely, you know, I wanted to appreciate, you know, you asking me to, to share on this. We really appreciate having you here and we will have you back to talk about some of these other things again, if you want to come back. Any final thing you'd like our audience to know or hear before we close? I would say, you know, kind of a part of this that I didn't really talk about is uh, service to others and how important that is in sobriety. And so I think in the topic of resentment, but also, you know, you asked me a few questions about, you know, the gifts that I've received today, you know, how I was able to do that. I think just keeping the focus on others, right? Like that's, that's, that's the big deal here. I find that a lot of my resentments aren't resentments anymore when my focus is on others because uh, it, it, it shifts that perspective too. It's all, it's all for me about like shifting that perspective today. So I love that. Thank you so much for coming and sharing with us today, Keegan. I love your story. I love the hope that it brings. And uh, I know you're, you helped a lot of people today. So thank you so much for coming. Yeah. Thanks, Keegan. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find us online, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Daily Reflection Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Reflector. You can read stories of recovery from our community at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Please don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. We greatly appreciate it. Have a great day.